Welcome back. Welcome back, JB. Andy, what's going down? How are you doing? We haven't seen each other in, well, what, six days? Well, listen, I've been doing a lot of work around my house. Work around the I hate house. it. There's nobody you can hire for that? Yeah, it's called me. I, like I hate, it. I hate, I hate. So let me, let me just start right away. I'm not going to complain. I'm thankful I have a home. I get it. I get it. A very but, nice home. But there are things I hate about houses. Number one, I hate doing landscaping. Landscaping. So specifically like, cause we grew up in the Midwest. So landscaping to me was three acres of lawn that that I had to do one acre of which I did with a push mower like I did mass that's how you built up calves that's why the midwest boys can you know play football because they got thick calves from pushing the lawnmowers offensive linemen yeah yeah. no so I mean that or like here I mean we all have fake turf and you prune the bottom of your tree no dude there's a specific bush that we have that I hate what type of bush it's called the bougainvillea Oh, those are ugly too. They're like pinkish. If you're not aware of a bougainvillea, it's like pinkish flowers. Poisonous. Poisonous. And they've got needles, thorns that would repar- that would that would I would say give Jesus's crown of thorns a run for its money, bro. Well, and these are the ones where you can trim all the way back and they just come. The stump just keeps getting bigger around. Yeah, it sucks, it dude. I got a bougainvillea in my front yard. I got to trim it often. And then the other thing I hate too, I'm just going to, I'm going to complain a little bit right now. The other, the other part about landscaping I hate, I have one palm tree. Palm trees to me are the most useless tree ever designed, ever brought. They were never native to Arizona. They were brought here as I think a, 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 a tool to piss me off. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I'm, the pathway to the wigwam resort where Jack Benny and John Wayne and all the boys would come to Phoenix is lined with palm trees on both sides. They suck because they don't do anything. They don't provide any shade. No, no shade. And you got to trim these stupid things. And you have to hire somebody to climb up there and trim it because I'm not going up there because... Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. That's what I'm talking about. Ain't nobody got time for that, bro. I want to see you climb that. I would pay for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm just saying, I think it's a missed opportunity. Well, uh, no, no. Anyways, I'm doing good besides that. It's been a good week. Mother's Day's come and gone. My wife was out of town, so I didn't have to celebrate Mother's Day. So I went home and took a nap. That was the best Mother's Day of my life. We went out for all-you-can-eat sushi, and everybody in my family took a nap after we got back from that. What was your bill? Um, It's not that bad. All you can, because sushi can get really expensive. Yeah, no, I think out the door was one fifty. Oh, that's not bad at all. No, it wasn't bad. That's not a bad it deal. Was, and it was good. Trappers, I, I would definitely. Are you putting a plug in? I would put my plug so in. So trappers, if you ever hear this, we just plugged you. Would you sponsor us? Yeah, sponsor a couple idiots that like sushi. I do like sushi. Yeah, I do like sushi. I don't, but I don't. I don't get the octopus sushi. I don't like that kind of stuff. I'll just get with like the the. The rolls, but then I don't mind the um, like the the salmon and the tuna. I, that's good too. You know my favorite f- new food is bidia. Am I saying? Oh yeah, right? birria. And put it in anything. For those of you, that's a Spanish word, birria. It's uh, some kind of meat. I don't know what it is. It might be dog. It's just good. I can't roll my R's. And birria. I believe it's, I believe it's beef. 
Um, and they put in everything, though. We have a place next to us, Taco King, very big on TikTok. That's how they came to fame. They were just a taco truck. Um, and they do Bidia Nacho. Bidia. Bidia Street Tacos. And my new favorite, Bidia. Not even it? close, bro. Ah, um, ramen noodles. Oh, that sounds good. It is so good. Next time you're out this way, we'll take you. All right, fair enough. Fair. Well, hey, we're going to jump into a topic tonight. Um, now that I'm hungry, uh, I did not do yard work today, so I'm actually in a good mood. But we're going to jump into a topic. I've been reading a book of uh, a, a really probably the most popular book of the Bible recently, and a passage stuck out to me. So we're going to jump into this conversation. I've been going through the book of Hosea. Only worse is probably Job. So yeah. So I yeah really. So if you don't know this, and we're going to talk about a passage in here and some stuff that how it relates to our lives, because I found some interesting things about my own self in this deal. But if you don't know this, it's about a guy who's a prophet who's talking about how bad people have gotten. Matter of fact, he's using his wife as an example because she wasn't the best wife to him. She's still not the best. She's wife still to not him. the best wife to him. Yeah. You guys think you have it bad out there? Say I had it worse. Yeah. This dude's wife was like pure evil to him. And yet he forgave her. She repented. They reconciled, forgave her. And so he's using this. It was a series of five times throughout the book of Hosea that um, there's this idea of repentance, 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 repentance. And he's actually just really giving Israel, the nation of Israel, a prophetic word. But he's also just using it as an example from his own life. Right. So kind of like what we do, like we talk about things that are really examples in our own life. And so I found myself reading through the book of Hosea, which is uh, if you want a great read, like to, to, to stir a party, read that book. Um, but I came to a passage in chapter 10, verse 12, that struck me uh, really, really uniquely. And I had never read it before with this manner. I'd never seen it. And I read it. And you probably just had never read it. It's not like people spend a lot of time in the scripture. No, I probably, I probably, you know, in 20 some years, I've probably read the book maybe three times, right? How, I'm not, how many sermons have you heard from it? Never. So see, never. everyone, you are getting the original. You can cross this one off your list. Yeah, I've never heard anybody preach about it, actually. Not much. The only person I know who hosts, no, never mind, I was going to say something, but that would have been. Maybe. What's his wife's name? Because she has an interesting name, too. I don't know. Uh, Josue? No. Continue. I'll look it up. All right. Yeah, I don't know her name. Anyways. Here it is. 10-12, Jose. 10-12. Sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Now, not much there, but then I got stuck on this one line in the whole thing. And uh, it made me think of a lot of things that I think I'm going to toss out there tonight. We, we can kind of run through them a little bit, but I think some guys can relate to this. There's this part of it. It says, sow up your righteousness for yourself. I like that idea. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. I love reaping fruit. And break up unplowed ground. That's where it got me. Because then it got me thinking, what does that mean? What does unplowed ground actually mean? And for me... It means areas that have been dormant, areas that I don't pay attention to, areas that may have been something that produced something good at once, but now it's no longer producing something good, and it's unplowed ground. So therefore, nothing good is going to come from it from unplowed ground. And so, you know, me, I was sitting down thinking, okay, what areas of my life are unplowed ground? And the areas that are unplowed ground 
usually mean my heart has been hard to. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about right now. And I came up with four areas in my own life and maybe y'all can get this and we'll, 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 we'll go through them one-on-one and maybe talk back and forth a little bit about it. But for years I was unwilling to dig into my heart to understand why I was unloving and prone to anger and irritation. And I realized that area has come from an unplowed ground in me. The areas of my life that are unplowed usually have baggage that I don't want to deal with, so it goes unplowed, right? How many of you guys have areas of your, your, your garage, your house, your backyard? I will do everything in my backyard except cut that stupid bougainvillea, right? Like, I don't mind clipping my grass because it makes it look good. I don't mind, you know, blowing the sidewalks. But when it comes to that bougainvillea, I look at that sucker and I'm like, that's unplowed ground. I don't want to touch it. Why? Because when I touch it, the thorns get me. It just keeps coming back worse. It cuts me up and it's just a pain in my A. So I don't want to touch that. That's what I'm talking about. There's areas in our lives, guys, that we have. And so we're going to jump into those. Yeah. What do you think, Jay? I, I was just thinking about this one in the in the context of relationships, which interestingly enough is is a lot of Jose. It And I remembered his wife's name. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Gomer. Dude, if you got a wife named Gomer, you know you're in for hell. She must have been hot because she got around. So she, yeah, she did get around multiple times. Yeah, that was the point of contention. But, but think about, bro, that. how do you hit on a chick named Gomer? And and yet they kept coming back for more. So there was some attraction there. But I think in relationships specifically, where you go, okay, I'll try, or I'll forgive, or. I'll apologize, right? Guys, we even do that sometimes. And then we have the next mess up or they mess up and we're like, dude, I've given you your tries. Or our wife, I've given you that area. I'm just going to close my heart down down in that area. We won't go back there anymore. And you just put a fence around it and you're like, we, we don't go there anymore. Things we won't talk about, um, budget, things that the kids, how we're going to discipline them, different things in our lives that we just circle and we say no more. Well, yeah, and it's true. Like the, the unplowed ground usually has baggage that I don't want to deal with. So it goes unplowed and it changes how I relate to people. It changes how I relate to God. And it also changes how I am used by God. Right? Well, and I think that's one of the lies from the enemy, right? Is that you can just not go there anymore. It'll keep the peace and you won't change. But the truth of the matter is when you close your heart in an area, normally due to a hurt in that area, it doesn't, it doesn't fix, it doesn't go away. And it brings separation, sorry, in your relationships and it brings separation between you and God. Yeah, hundred percent. So here you go. I'm going to be real honest and I'm going to tell you the unplowed ground in my life and um, some of the things that I realized the first and some of the baggage I carry because of unplowed ground, right? Um, the first reason why there's areas in my life that are unplowed ground is because I have unfulfilled expectations, right? So in my relationship with God, I've been, this is crazy to say, there's been times in my life where I've been disappointed by God and with God. And, and when I look at that in my life, you know, there's a Proverbs that I'm reminded of Proverbs 13. It says this hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I'll be honest, man, there's been hopes that have not been fulfilled and it's left me heart sick. And so what it does do is it says, God, I've had expectations of you that you've not come through in the way that I've desired, which ultimately makes me try to be God, not him. But the other thing is too, it makes me not want to trust you. Yeah. Right. When I have unmet expectations, I don't want to trust you. And think of how many times where we've stepped out, right? Like the first time you pray for healing for somebody, 
Like that's a brave step. And, and we believe the word of God says that, that he came to heal, that we can claim that for somebody. And then you pray for someone and nothing happens. You're like, not going there again. It's just simple things like, like, right. I agree. How about this one? How about when you've been in financial trouble or physical financial trouble and you're like, yeah, God, I get your word dressed in this, the lilies dressed in all their splendor. How much more does your father care for you? <laughs> or the birds of the air don't worry about what they should eat or drink, but their heavenly father pl- provides a place for them. Right. I read those things and I'm like, yeah, I get it, but I must not be as valuable as those things because you haven't answered or I feel like you haven't answered what I'm asking. Well, and the way we want it, right? Yeah. Because the truth of the matter is you're still breathing, and from the look of it, you've eaten today. So uh, they're, they're right? I time for that. <laughs> Stuff has still happened on your behalf, but it didn't meet your expectations. It didn't come through, and, and that's people, but to your point, a lot of times that's God. Well, I think both, right? People and God. I honestly... Probably every guy I know has unfulfilled expectations. Maybe that they've never even said or never even vocalized, but they know in their heart there's unmet expectations. And because of that, it creates a trust issue in me. So a lot of my uh, unplowed ground is based upon this idea of trust. Like, I don't trust you enough, God, for you to go there and and turn up the soil because what we actually got to deal with, I don't really want to deal with it. Right? So that's the first one. The second one that I was thinking about in my life is untreated pain. Now, I, I was talking to a dude about this a couple of days ago, and he's like, well, pain in my life has been good. It's taught me what not to do or what to do differently. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. But it's also, um, pain has also closed me off to say, I'm never going to go there. Or you're never going to go there, whether it be an individual or God. You're never going to go there. Um, it it it, it it changes and prevents intimacy with others and with intimacy with God, right? It, it makes me defensive, it makes me distant, and it makes me demanding. The three D's of an identity. That explains you in a nutshell. I, I think it's interesting because pain, to his point, is from God, right? We're supposed to feel pain when we touch a hot burner. It reminds us not to touch it. Yeah, so, the, so there is an aspect of it there that says, okay, this isn't the right way. But I think when we make vows that say, well, it didn't work that time, so I'm never trying again. I well, think that's some of the danger. How many guys do you know, though, have had an injury that they've never are cut, that they don't bandage, an injury that they've never gone and got checked out, only to cause more consequences later, right? So I got a quick story about that. So I was in Dominican Republic. I, I was doing some stuff down there. I was serving some people, and I broke my foot on a stage that kind of crumpled in the middle of the mountains. And I, I smashed my big toe, broke walk my big toe. Walk it off, Andy. Exactly. Rub some dirt on it and walk it off. So I did rub some dirt on it and walked it off. The very next day with a broken foot, I hand plowed a field. Seems sensible. Right? Seems Still right. with you. Right? So I get home, and my foot is like two times the size it normally should be, like elephantitis of my toe. <laughs> Seems worrisome, but let's not go to the doctor yet. Right, Continue. Right. Yeah, so my wife is like, I think we need to go to the doctor. And I'm like, nah, man, it ain't no big deal. Ain't no big deal. That went on for like three, four weeks. And, finally, it. and finally, she just gets to the point where she's like, screw it. I'm not going to tell you to go to the doctor anymore. You're, you're a big boy is the word she said. And, uh, no, you just have a big foot. Yeah, I did have a big foot, dude. It was like elephantitis, man. And uh, anyways, so I, I don't do anything about it. A year later, I can't walk on my foot. And I have to actually go have surgery 
to repair a damaged joint and damaged bones on my foot. Now, because I didn't treat it early, I have continual pain the rest of my life in my foot. Right. And so it's, it's no different. This is how guys operate, man. We don't want to deal with pain. So what do we do? Ah, we rub dirt on it. We throw some ice on it. We put a bandaid on it or we just duct tape it together and we go. But the truth of the matter is unresolved and untreated pain only makes my ground harder. Well, and you see heart. that with the divorce rate on a second marriage, third marriage, it just continue exponentially to grow the percentage that you'll end up divorced again. Why? Because you won't go there anymore. You're defensive, you're distant, and you're demanding. It's going to be my way. I'm never going to compromise again. Yeah, so I, I'm sure some of you guys have just rubbed some dirt on it. I was fishing one time in Colorado, and uh, I was back about 12 miles back into the woods, and I was fishing, and no cars could get there or whatever, and I sliced the tip of my finger off while I was gutting a, a cutthroat trout, and that's how manly I am. And uh, I, I was walking down a path, and... I'm, I'm dripping blood, like blood is flowing out of my hand. And actually two women were walking down the path. I don't know. I, I didn't see, I hadn't seen anybody. You for just like told me you were 10 miles. I know, in. dude. Now, now it doesn't sound so manly. I know. Now two women. Yeah, I know. It doesn't sound manly. I know. They're brisk walk in the yeah. neighborhood. They're backpacking <laughs> and, and they walked by me and I got blood dripping. All, I hadn't seen anybody in like three or four days mm-hmm. and they stopped it. I got blood dripping on me. I have to tell them, Hey, I'm okay. Okay. So they give me some tape. I tape up my finger cause I didn't bring tape with me. I wasn't the boy scout. I should have probably been. And, uh, it's duct tape. Yeah. They just gave me some tape, whatever. So I, I, I stay out there for two or three more days doing the same stuff I was doing. Right. And finally I leave and we're heading into Durango. My son, he looks at me and he's like, you probably should stop in urgent care and get that thing checked out really fast or sewed back up. By this point, you know, the skin started to mold itself back together and all that. And they took the Band-Aid off, and it smelled like death upon rot, man. It was freaking nasty. It's just like pain. It's God's way of telling you something's wrong here. Yeah. So, well, the stank alone. Well, you after five days, it could have just been you. Bro, no, I smell like roses. But anyways, what I'm saying is, guys, untreated pain in our lives is going to create hard ground, which eventually does not produce life, but does produce death. If I didn't treat my hand, like gangrene was coming on, right? I got a shot of tetanus. They threw a bunch of antiseptic on it, healed my hand. I still have scars on it, a little bit of a nub of a fingertip, but I was able to live again, right? If not, I would have lost my finger. Ironically enough, that's not why we call you nubby, though. <laughs> Dude, I'm getting black. Ain't nobody got time for that. But I digress. That's my new sound clip. I love it. Anyways, all right, third thing, and I'm going to ask you about this one. The third thing I realized, the third baggage I have in my life that stops my ground from being turned up is, and here you go, I think every guy deals with this. No guy is probably willing to say this, so we will. Most men have an unhealthy view of themselves. And there's radio silence. That's good for radio. What, the radio silence? Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one, buddy. It's true though, right? If you ask any man, do you feel great about yourself? Do you feel good enough for God? Most men say no. So that's an unhealthy view because you can never be good enough for God. We know that theologically, but internally we still feel that. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting, right? Because you talk um, about I'm raising two daughters, so self-image is a big thing. And they talk about in the books, a boy or a young man looks at himself in the mirror and goes, oh, I like what I got going on. And I think as a man, so many times I can look into the mirror and I've put on 
who I am for that audience. And I go out into the world and I perform like that man. And, and there's a confidence to it. But if I was really honest, if I had a cigar in my hand and it was light, late at night. And not 125 degrees out. That, that would help with a cigar in my hand. Do I really feel like that person or did I just put it on for the day? And I, and I think so many of us, we can put it on, but when we accurately talk about what we feel and where we are, and, and I think it comes out of something we've talked about, which is identity from God. The reason I don't feel good enough for God is because I don't feel like God's given me identity and, and that it's working, that I'm walking in it, right? Or I feel like I have gifts, but I'm middle management. Yeah. And there's a frustration after 40 years. You're like, it's, it's never going to break through. I am who I am. And, and this isn't what I bargained for. This, this wasn't my hope. And so what do I do? I don't hope anymore. This wasn't the dream. So I just don't dream anymore. Yeah. That's, I'm just speaking for somebody else. I don't really know. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you what, man, that's a pretty transparent thought. I think a lot of guys have that same thought. I mean, I know that I have at times and I, you know, I think unhealthy view of self, not only is what I see, but what others have said I am. Right. Um, I was talking to a guy a couple of days ago and he's like, ever since I was a little kid, my family, my sister, my friends, um, they all said I was something that I was not and my, and it, and it shaped who I am. And so now I have an unvu unhealthy view of myself. And because of that, it hinders my relationship with others. It hinders my relationship with God. And it's a ground that I even saying I have a low self-esteem is ground. I don't want to deal with because it brings up shame. And so I think that that's part of it for a lot of guys. And I know that that was one of my issues, right? Is unhealthy view of self. I'm learning. And I think this is part of our journey as guys is we're learning what it means to have God's identity upon us. It's not something I can earn. It's not something I can buy. It's not something I can I, I deserve. It's just something I receive. And, but to understand the fullness of that is, I think it'll take a lifetime for me. That's all I can say about that. So, all right. Fourth one, fourth baggage I carry of why I don't want to deal with the hardened ground, turn up the ground. Unrepentant sin. Okay. I gave the point. So you give the example. No, you give life. the example, man. I, <laughs> no, I just gave the point. We need a guess for this. Unrepentant sin. Psalm, 20, Psalm 32. This has been a passage I've remembered for many, many years. When I keep silent, my bones waste away, uh, away through groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand is heavy upon me. My strength was sapped in the heat of summer in Arizona. Um, so I think the, here's a cool thing. When you feel shame from sin, I think that is a good indicator that you've accepted Jesus into your life. Oh, 100%. Right? Because what what do you feel? You feel, and this is Adam, first, first man, feels a separation from God. Yeah. And, and it groans within our spirit. That's, that's what he's talking about when he says, through my groanings all day long, for night and day it was heavy upon me. Sin should be heavy. And, and the great thing about it is it, it makes us reconcile with people. It makes us come to God and say, look, I messed up here. It makes us apologize. Yeah, but here's the deal. How many of us guys have areas of our lives that we won't go to, we won't dig up the dirt because the truth of the matter is we like to sin. I love it. 
I love doing things that are opposite of God. I wish my heart was different. Paul said the same thing. I do the things I do not want to do, yet I still do them. And I think that's just part of who we are as, as humanity. But I think unrepentant sin is ground. Like, guys, truthfully, man, we know when, we, when we're when we disobedient to God. The truth is we don't like to deal with the areas of our lives that are disobedient to God because... And we, and we sure don't want to reveal it to each and other. And we sure don't want to reveal it to each other. But we don't want to reveal it. And so what happens is that becomes hardened ground where you're like, I'm going to do all these things and God, you're going to get all this. But this one ground, this one little plot of grass or hardened ground, we're not going to deal with because to deal with it means I actually have to do something about it. And that's what we don't want to do. Like my bougainvillea, I don't want to cut it. It is unrepentant sin in my life. I don't want to cut it out yet. It's still going to flourish. It's still going to grow. The sin's still going to be there. Right. And so I think that, you know, when I look at this whole idea of, of, um, hallowed ground or hard ground soil that needs to be turned up. You know, you go back to the beginning of the passage and it says this, it says, for now is a time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. It doesn't say seek the Lord and he will shower his righteousness upon you. It says until he comes. So that means there's a continuance of, I need to continue to be willing to turn up the hard, unplowed ground in my life, seeking the Lord, and someday he's going to show up. Now, that's the hard part for guys because no guy likes to wait. We think as soon as I repent from my sin, God's going to turn around and give me blessings and shower me with righteousness. That's not necessarily true. What is going to happen is it's a time and time and time again. Every time I seek the Lord, I turn up the ground, I repent from my sin, I get a better self-image, my expectations change, um, all those different baggages I talked about. If I continue to do that one day, the promises of God show up in my life. And what it does is instead of that loan, right, where you become independent, we become dependent. Yeah, I like that, dude. Independent. I like being independent. I don't like being dependent, but it's through dependency where we actually have maturation. Yeah, and and I think none of us, especially as good Americans, want to be dependent. No, we celebrate a day called... Independence. Independence Day. I love it. I love it. What'd you do for Independence Day when you were growing up, by the way? Fireworks on top of the house. We'd sit out there on top of the house and watch them at the, the local city. We, but I, today, I do big parties every 4th of July for my Yeah, friends. but you can't light off fireworks in Arizona. You get busted. No, but I love fireworks. I love 4th of July parties. The last time I went to a giant fireworks display, it... Two, oh, I got a freaking crazy story. You were in it. I was in it. Yeah, I did. I, 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 my buddy is a fireworks lighter guy, and uh, I don't know what they call them, pyros. And I got to go behind the scenes and light fireworks. But prior to that, the net, when I was a kid, I was at one in the, like the local township, and I was a little kid. You know, we just got to hang out and run around. And something happened to the stage, and they started, it tipped over and it started shooting them in the crowd. Everybody was hiding behind cars and stuff like that. Freaking, that's a party. Do you remember when Phoenix First Assembly caught fire? No. Their 4th of July show caught fire. I was at it. That's Talk awesome. about scary. Like everybody flees to their car. They have like a singing flag that's on fire. <laughs> it, it was. America. It Anyways, was dramatic. America. But I think that's what happens <laughs> when we celebrate independence in ourselves. Oh, look right? at that correlation, we, bro. That's cool. well, Ladies and gentlemen, what we call that is professional speaker. We lose the target and it goes off in our lives. It goes off in the people around us. And, and it's all because we're fighting this dependency on God and uh, sign me up. I'm, I'm one of the first people that'll admit it is tough to be dependent on God. 
All right. So what's the takeaway from today? You got one? I think it's addressing that, right? I mean, we talk about measuring and so going through these areas of unplowed and just saying, God, give me one of them, one relationship, yeah. one place where I have unplowed ground, maybe a hurt or a pain that that scabbed over, but if I really let it out in public, it would stink. And, and starting that conversation with a guy and just saying right here, it, it's not right in my life and I need some help. I need somebody to talk to. Yeah. For, for my buddy who who was dealing, I love that point because I think that's part of it because it, it meets to our, our, our whole idea that it's not good for man to be alone. Um, but like from my one buddy who said he's got a low self-esteem, I just told him this. I said, you know what, tomorrow wake up and maybe there's guys out there who you, you just feel like crap, man. You don't feel good about yourself anymore for whatever reason. Wake up tomorrow and say just a simple thing. This is my son whom I'm well pleased, which is the exact words God spoke over Jesus. This is my son who I'm well pleased. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what you've done. A, a guy who's seeking after God, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And how cool is it if Jesus needed that affirmation? How much more do we? Amen. Yeah. All right, man. There's some good stuff in there today. I hope that you enjoyed our, our um, this podcast. Again, we're just going through stuff that we're dealing with, right? And walking through our own lives. And the four things we talked about today, those are issues that I'm actually going through and thinking through of unplowed ground in my life, places where I don't dare turn up the soil because I'm afraid of what might lurk underneath it. But the truth is the more I turn up the soil, the more life comes forth. We think the opposite, but that is not true, that more life comes forth and that he will shower his righteousness upon me when I do that. We can do a whole episode about pruning next time. Oh, <laughs> I'm not touching my freaking Bougainvillea. I told you that. You know why? Because nobody got time for that. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So, hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, what do you got for us? Well, I just, I do think our audience that continues to grow because you keep forwarding it to people. So continue to forward our podcast. We ask that you join the conversation by looking us up on our website at firstadam1stadam.com. Check us out on social media. And why do we do it? Because, because it's, it's not, not good, good for man, man to, to be, be alone. alone. Not bad. I'd give it a B today. B? No, bro. I'm giving it an A because this is my freaking journal. That's why. Are you telling me my life is a B life? All right, we're out.